Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Burning It Down Racing Podcast. The air's got a little bit of chill to it. The UNCC 49ers finally got to play football again. And we're going to recap everything that went down at Talladega. We're going to look ahead to the Charlotte Roval. We're going to look ahead to Germany for the F1 series. We're also going to look to IndyCar's final race on the streets of St. Petersburg. Ben, this was an action-packed weekend. Let's jump right into it with Joseph Newgarden winning the first IndyCar race at the Indianapolis Road Course. That was followed by Will Power winning the Indy Road Course on day two, the second race there. Uh, Interesting fact, Scott Dixon, 40 points above Joseph Newgarden as they come into the final race. That means one of the two men will win the championship. It would be Newgarden, who overcomes the deficit, or Scott Dixon, who will win it. Rafael Lazard wins the truck race at Talladega to get his first career win. That was a crazy race. Rafael Lazard pulled it off. Um, Something else about that race, two cars were eliminated, so Christian X is out, and Todd Gilliland is out, so that means the remaining drivers are the Thor Sport cars of Crafton and Finger Roads. You also have the GMS cars of Moffitt Smith, who barely, barely squeaked it in. Uh, He wrecked early in the race, but he was able to get in. Um, Then you also have Sheldon Creed getting in. You also have Austin Hill, uh, as well as Ankrum getting in uh, to the playoffs there. So those are your final eight. Again, Hill, Creed, Smith, Enfinger, Moffitt, Rhodes, Crafton, Ankrum. Your final eight there. Justin Haley wins the Xfinity race to lock himself into the round of eight. Uh, He was the second driver to do so. Cutoff race for the Xfinity this weekend. Below the cut line, Annette, Herbst, Brown, Burton. Um, Annette, 38 points below the cut line. Herbst, 36 points below the cut line. Brown, 19 points below the cut line. And Harrison Burton, seven points below. Right now locked in. Briscoe Haley because they have one. Sendrick, 50 points up. Gragson, 47 points up. Jones, 34 points up. Sieg, 27. Then you have Allgaier, 19 points above the cut line. Chastain, 7 points above the cut line. Denny Hamlin also wins the cup race at Talladega, locking himself into the round of eight. There was a lot of controversy of that. We will get to it. So with that, you have Kurt Busch and Denny Hamlin locked into the round of eight uh, with one race to go. This is the cutoff race for the round of eight. For the round of 12, excuse me. Harvick, 68 points above the cut line. Elliott, 44 points above the cut line. Keselowski, 41 points above the cut line. Truex, 32. Bowman, 22. Logano, 21. Below the cut line, Kyle Busch, 21 points below the cut line. Austin Dillon, 21 points as well. Clint Boyer, 37 points below the cut line. Eric Almirola, who could have won that Talladega race, he wrecked out early, 48 points below the cut line. Ben, out of all three series, who surprises you the most to be into the playoffs? And I'll also throw in there, with the cup race going to the Roval, who do you think will be in and will be out? I think looking at the cup uh, series, Kyle Busch, minus 21 points. He's not that good at the Roval. And we talked about it last week. He's going to have to have two good runs. Has not capitalized on that. But, I mean, based off the season, yeah. I mean, he just... Hasn't been that good at all. 
Um, but you know, this is not something we really expect of him. I don't really see him having a good roval race. He's going to need some help from, you know, maybe Trex Bowman Logano because Lowski kind of has a better cushion, but yeah, he's probably the surprise of the season. I think Kurt Busch obviously getting the win. Uh, I wouldn't say he was in a lot of people's brackets to make it, make it past round one, maybe round two. Um, so, you know, who knows? Roval could be, uh, another wild card race, just like Talladega was. Yeah, you look at some of these drivers. Kyle Busch needed a good run at Talladega. He did not get that. He wrecked, I think, four times until finally the car wouldn't move anymore. Austin Dillon, I think, though, had a good Talladega. He's 21 points below the cut line. He's not great, but he has definitely, again, been a surprise. And He's only 21 points below. I think he's got a chance at the Roval. I think uh, Justin Alexander and Dillon will play pit strategy like they normally do. And they will get in. I think you got to look at the Xfinity Series point standings, too. Ryan Sieg is 27 points above the cut line, Ben. He had a good Talladega second-place finish. He led some laps at Las Vegas. Ben, Ryan Sieg looks good. He looks like he may get to the round of eight. Yeah, you know, Sieg plus 27, a uh, good run for him. I don't think a lot of people expected him to go to this far. I don't know if he quite has enough to compete for the championship, but he's certainly got a good case to make it to the next round comfortably. But uh, Ross Chastain was able to sneak above the cut line just by seven points as we head into the Roval. But Harrison Burton uh, is seven points behind him. So we'll have to see how that plays out in, uh, again, a wild car race. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of strange to see Harrison Burton below the cut line. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I think Brandon Brown, you know, they've played pitch strategy uh, as well. But I just don't know if that 68's got the power. Same with the 18 and the 1. I think the only car below the cut line right now is definitely uh, Harrison Burton. I think he's the only one that can get up. Uh, we'll see what happens with the trucks. Uh, were you surprised by Gilliland and Eckes being cut? I personally was not. Um, it came down between Rhodes, Gilliland, and X to, you know, get in at Talladega. Ben, what did you think about that? Yeah, you know, um, I, I, Gilliland I thought was going to go a little bit further, but uh, X just really hasn't showed speed all year. I think he's maybe had a good couple of good top five runs. He's my pick to win Talladega. He actually led a good amount, but just wasn't able to seal the deal. But yeah, not really any big surprises. Ben, let's move into some of the controversy that went down in the cup race at Talladega. Um, kind of explain to the listeners what went down. Um, some pretty angry fans, I think, at the ending of that race with Denny Hamlin winning, especially with Matt Benedetto out in front of the field. Uh, there were some penalties handed out that um, we don't really think that should have been handed out. Uh, that was a very interesting situation. And Talladega always brings together action-packed, drama-filled races, but this one probably takes the cake. The double yellow line rule certainly um, hasn't really made a lot of decisions in the past from NASCAR on people getting black flags, at least in the Cup Series. But, I mean, there was a probably three or four throughout the race, and obviously um, it was controversial. With Denny Hamlin goes below the line. He kind of got a run, and Chris Buescher and William Byron were side-by-side side coming off of Turn 4. And it looks like Hamlin might have got squeezed down, but he stayed down there to go by them. As um, And it looked like Matt D was trying to block the runs from those guys behind him. He forces William Byron uh, down below the line, which I think that makes sense. I'm okay with that. Um, 
you know, Matt's just going for all out right now. Of course, we know his contract situation still doesn't know where he wants. Uh, he said on Sirius XM this week that he, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. Still doesn't really know anything about his contract, but hopefully we'll hear something by the end of this week. But yeah, I don't really agree with giving the penalty to Matt DiBenedetto while not giving a penalty to Denny Hamlin. I mean, he stayed down there. Like, he didn't try to go back up, and he didn't even, it didn't even look like he'd lifted. Like, he was maybe going to start getting squeezed down, but he just was like, oh, I'll just stay on the gas and go to the, blow the line. I'll be fine. NASCAR didn't think so. And then they reversed Chase Elliott's call. He They thought they um, got – or he went below the, the yellow line. Um, I believe my action might have been Chris Busher after he was battling with William Byron. Uh, and then he gets a penalty and then he was able to file for an appeal and got the um, penalty overturned and they gave it to Chris Buescher. Just kind of a mess. I think their consistency needs to change up. A lot of people looked at the um, Regan Smith incident. I think it was in 2007. Uh, he went below the O-line because Stewart uh, looked like he kind of forced him down there. He got a penalty. Tony Stewart wins that race. I want to see more consistency from NASCAR. Yeah, I do because it almost feels like we talked about the thing at Texas where the drivers were coming out um, a pit road early. They were coming on the track before they were supposed to. It's almost like NASCAR this year does not know what their rules are. It just was very strange. Um, I think the thing about it that really got me was Denny Hamlin uh, forwarded his position. You're not supposed to do that. Like you said, he didn't lift. I have nothing wrong with giving Matt a penalty. Um, I think uh, him forcing under the line, take it as you as, as you must, you know. Um, but I think it should have either been neither of them got penalties or both of them got penalties because Denny Hamlin broke that one golden rule. It's okay that he got forced below the line. But he forwarded his position. He's not supposed to do that. It was very sad to see the raw motion from Matt Diabenedetto after the race. He wanted to win so bad. Steve Phelps even tweeted, I think it was a few years ago. I don't know if they had to make a call or something like that, but he said it's pretty cut and clear, something along these lines of if they go below the yellow line, whether they're forced or not, and they gain their position, they have to give it back or it's a penalty. Well, Hamlin was went down the line. He gained two positions, three actually, by the time he got by Matt Benedetto at the start-finish line. So, and they didn't call it. And everybody, he's Steve Phelps, president of NASCAR, has been kind of getting some or competition director, whatever he is, kind of getting some heat out of that. You know, it's just we need more consistency, like you said about the Texas rule. I mean, it just seems like they're picking and choosing what they want to enforce, or, you know, they just need to take a closer look at this. Either start calling this a ton or just get rid of the rule all out. Um, also, there was some controversy in the Xfinity race. Gragson and Briscoe getting into it at the end of the race. Uh, Gragson was behind Briscoe, forced Briscoe. Uh, up, almost spun him. Briscoe hits the, the wall, comes down, gets on the bottom line. Then once again, on the, a lap later, Briscoe gets in front of Gragson. Gragson puts him in the wall, and Briscoe goes to the back. Ben, we understand that Noah Gragson's been kind of going through some stuff personally lately, and you can tell he wants to win, and he's going after another playoff driver. I don't know if that's smart to do it to Chase Briscoe, the man who's won so many races this year, and that if Gragson needs points later on, Briscoe's not going to give him anything. What do you think about that? Yeah, Gregson's been really kind of making some enemies uh, throughout the season, and uh, he has a couple wins this year, but he really just hasn't had a lot of consistent upfront speed lately. So uh, I feel like a lot of people, you know, 
think about this with Logano too. If you're going to be aggressive, make moves like that, back it up. And Logano is usually, you know, gets very competitive every year. Get has a couple wins. He has been winning a lot lately, but he's been running up front and getting stage points. Gregson hasn't necessarily been doing that. If you're going to make moves like that, you got to back it up with results. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation. It looks like um, Chase Briscoe made a post on Reddit that he, him, you know, there's just aggressive racing and they're going to, um, they're going to work it out. It seems like they're both sides are fine with it. So let's move on to the big uh, battle this weekend for the IndyCar championship. Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, who's dominated this whole year. It's either going to be one of those two guys. Like we said earlier, Dixon 40 points up on Joseph Newgarden. They go to the streets of St. Petersburg. Ben, who do you think will be crowned champion at the end of this weekend? Uh, kind of like what we were talking about before, uh, Newgarden's 40 points back from Dixon. I mean, that's a lot to make up. I don't remember if they're doing double points this year with the last race. Uh, I'd have to look, but I think... Even if they are, Dixon's kind of had more speed throughout the year, so I think Dixon just seems like he'll take it. Yeah, I would love to see New Garden kind of bring a battle, and I think there might have been when New Garden was 32, 33 points uh, away from Dixon after he won. 40 points is really hard for Joseph New Garden. We'll see what happens. He's going to have to pull pretty much – Jeremy Mayfield. Jeremy Mayfield had to lead all those laps at Richmond years ago to get into, uh, at the time, the chase for the Cup and NASCAR. And I just don't see Joseph Newgarden doing it. It's going to take a lot. I think Scott Dixon will be our champion. He's had a really great year. Ben, but some big changes for NASCAR. The schedule has, wow, really taken form and has changed a lot. Road courses, dirt races, and tracks losing races. So let's get into that. Chicagoland and Kentucky will lose their cup races this year. Uh, Ben, we talked about um, Chicagoland maybe getting tore down. Looks like that could be a possibility with no races at all there next year. Same with Kentucky. Uh, NASCAR has also made the decision to go to Road America, to go to the Indy Road Course, and to put the Spring Bristol Race on dirt. Uh, the full schedule is this, Daytona 500, Homestead, Miami, Auto Club, Vegas, Phoenix, Atlanta, Bristol, Dirt. Then they go to an off weekend. Then it's Martinsville, Richmond, Talladega, Darlington, Dover, Circuit of the Americas, gets a race. There's another road course. Uh, we talked about that earlier. We're not very excited about that track. Charlotte, Sonoma, and then Texas gets the all-star race. NASCAR back to Nashville. Then they have a doubleheader in Pocono, Road America, Atlanta, New Hampshire. Two off weekends, and they go the Glen, Indianapolis RC, Michigan, Daytona. And then we head to the playoffs. Darlington, Richmond, Bristol. First round, that's round of 16. Round of 12, Vegas, Talladega, Roval. Round of 8, Texas, Kansas, Martinsville, and then Phoenix. Ben, there are seven road courses on this schedule. Daytona Road Course will be run at the Daytona Clash. Um, Darlington and Nashville will be low downforce races this year. Um, I don't know how I feel about all these road courses. I don't know how I feel about Michigan going down to one race or Dover going down to one race. I'm not really intrigued with seven road courses 
and I'm not happy about the Bristol dirt track. Uh, Bristol's one of those races that is very good, and they just kind of seem like they're trying too hard here. What do you think? What were your big takeaways from the schedule? What do you like? What don't you like? I, I know for sure you've got to be happy about uh, Chicagoland and even Texas losing a points paying race. Yeah, I, I actually really did enjoy Chicagoland. I thought it was some of the better mile and a half racing, but Kentucky I'm fine with. I've never really been a fan of, but it kind of looks like that there's they might still go there in the Xfinity and Truck Series, uh, but they want to have some future plans for it. Maybe they'll reconfigure it. I'm not really sure, but um you know another interesting takeaway too is only eight races are going to be having practice and qualifying the rest will be one day shows uh i'm not really a fan of this i think that we need to start going back to practice with the rookies and the younger guys and just how the leaking ways out um i'm okay if we do some one day show sprinkle into the schedule but i just i'm not a fan of it doing it every single race weekend basically um but road courses, I'm a fan of road courses. I enjoyed them. I wish they maybe didn't add, they don't have seven. I think maybe five would be a better choice. And then find two more dirt, short tracks to put in. I feel like that was kind of more of a consistent outcry from the fans. But hopefully uh, with Auto Club getting reconfigured, Nashville Fairgrounds possibly going to be uh, into the schedule in the next two or three years, hopefully. So hopefully that kind of starts a short track surge in the future years. Yeah, Ben, and to your point, practice and qualifying will be at eight races. The Daytona 500, Bristol Dirt Race, the Coke 600, Road America, Indianapolis Road Course, Coda, Nashville, and Phoenix for the finale. A lot of these other ones will be one-day shows. I agree with you. I want qualifying and practice back. Something else I like, Homestead moved to the second uh, week, which I think is good. They'll be in Daytona, and they'll just go up the road in Florida to Homestead, Miami. Um Ben, let's get into Hendrick's busy week uh, that culminated today, right? So it started off with Chad Knauss, uh stepping down as crew chief, and he will now take over as vice president of competition for Hendrick Motorsports in 2021. He will oversee crew chiefs, pit crews, engineering, fabrication, assembly, and competition staff. William Byron's 2021 crew chief will be determined at a later date. That was what kind of started off their crazy week. Shortly after, a couple days later, it was announced Hendrick Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing will combine on one common Chevrolet engine in R&D over the 20, after the 2020 season. That was insane. Hendrick Knauss gone. That's sad to see him relieving his crew chief, uh, relieving his crew chief. And now RCR, who's shown a lot of speed, is going to be in alliance with Hendrick. I think this was great. But today, the big news, Alex Bowman will take over the 48 from Jimmy Johnson next season. Ben, my question for you, what does this mean for Hendrick? Who will take over the 88? Will it be Larson? Will it be Eric Jones? Or will it be somebody else? What do you think? Or will it be the 88? Will it be the 5? Or will it be the 25? What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is an interesting move. Uh, We kind of thought... The rumors kind of go around that Larson was going to go to the 48, but I wonder if maybe Ally wasn't necessarily on board with him or maybe Chevrolet isn't really full on. So I think we're going to have to wait another week or two about uh, the other uh, car that's going to be released. But I think if they're putting him to the 40, Alex Bowman to the 48, I think they're going to be making a number change. Is it going to be the 25? Is it going to be the 5? I saw something about the 57, which I'm not really sure where that was from, but 
is there going to be a number change? So we'll have to see about that. But I'm not a huge fan of the Bowman move, but I think I think with this other car that they're going to still have to announce, it's kind of a Hendrick partner-backed uh, car, so it doesn't really have like the big-time sponsors. A lot of like Chevy partners, Hendrick partners with their dealership. So I think that just paves the way for Larson uh, going to that car, but we'll have to see. Who knows? Yeah, I think Larson or Eric Jones is a good pick. I actually really like this. Um, I like him going to the 48. I think it's a good fit. They don't have to go outside to replace somebody in the 48. And I think, too, what was really cool, it seems to me that they kind of gave Jimmy Johnson a choice here um, and, you know, him getting to choose. And I think he chose Alex Bowman. He's going to pass the mantle to somebody I think he trusts, and he understands he's going to be a very good driver. Moving on, uh, this was announced, Trevor Bain to race the rest of the 2020 season for Nice Motorsports in that 25 truck. This comes off of Trevor Bain's second-place finish at Talladega. Also, Michael Annette had a good run. I think he finished third at Talladega in the Xfinity race. He was DQ'd, and he lost a lot of points. Ben, just a quick update. Ty Dillon's future, uh, Jermaine Racing, closing its doors. Denny Hamlin bought the assets. Um, when Ty Dillon was asked earlier, Ty Dillon said he currently has no plans for 2021. Looks to gain sponsorship and have more talks with teams to gain an opportunity soon. Dillon, 28, even says he would go back down to the Xfinity Series if he needs to prove himself. Uh, also, Haley Deegan could be making her truck debut very soon in the number 17 for DGR Crosley. This may come at Kansas on October 16th. Right now on Team Roster, she is listed to drive the 17. The number 17 has run part-time this season with David Reagan, Corbin Forrester, and Dylan Lupton so far. Ben, what are your thoughts on Deegan maybe making her truck debut very soon? Yeah, it kind of seems like the plan that Ford has in place for her. Start getting some truck experience. I assume that she'll be getting more starts next year, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. You know, she hasn't really had a lot of big track experience, even with the Arca Series, hasn't a lot of success. So we'll have to see where this goes. She's mentioned she's had problems uh, finding more sponsorships, so maybe that'll kind of plague her as she moves up in the NASCAR world. All right, Ben, let's get into the new segment. Uh that we created last week, the driver's spotlight. I'll give you the floor. Who is your driver's spotlight for the truck series race at Talladega this weekend? And like you said, Trevor Bain will be in the Nice Motorsports uh, number 45 truck for the rest of their, excuse me, 44 truck for the rest of the year. 45. And 45. He'll be in the number 45 truck for the rest of the year. He gets a second place finish at Talladega. Good shout out for him. Uh, we'll have to see how he does. You know, Nice hasn't really had a lot of good runs this year, but uh, he's capping off the second-place finish. Yeah, I have two for the Truck Series race. In fifth, the number nine of Cody Rohrbaugh. He's had a good last couple of weeks. He had a top five at Richmond and now a top five here at Talladega. Also, Jordan Anderson in the three-truck finished sixth. He finished second at Daytona earlier this year, so he's a really good plate driver. Uh, we didn't really know who was going to win that truck race, but uh, there are shout-outs. Ben, who is your spotlight for the Xfinity Series? There's a lot of good guys up there running that don't normally run up front. Yeah, I'm going to go with the driver of the number 92 car. Josh Williams gets a seventh-place finish 
Uh, I'm not sure if that's his first career top 10. I don't think it is, but a good run for him. You know, I'll be able to avoid the wrecks and keep the car clean. So, um, Mine is the 07 car Garrett Smithley field in this weekend. He finishes eighth. That's a good run for Garrett Smithley, who definitely is an up-and-comer. He needs more time, and uh, runs like that definitely show that he is super talented. And for the Cup Series, I'm going to go with kind of a surprise, kind of a meme uh, in the community of NASCAR. Quinn Hoff gets himself a solid finish at Talladega. A lot of people kind of surprised he was, uh, you know, avoiding the wrecks and everything. But uh, he comes home with a 13th place finish. Not bad for him in the double zero car. Uh, my driver spotlight's got to be Brennan Poole. First career top 10. He finishes ninth. And he started the race at the rear, and Brandon Poole uh, gets up there for Rick Ware Racing in the 15. That's pretty awesome. Rick Ware Racing had a good weekend, multiple cars in the top 20. And uh, Brandon Poole finishing ninth, that's very good for that team. Hopefully, they will get some looks very soon because they deserve it. All right, Ben, let's head into show wrap-up. We're going to predict races at the Roval this weekend at the Saints, uh, the streets of St. Petersburg and in Germany. Ben, kick it off. Who is your Xfinity pick to win at the Roval this weekend? I'm going to go with Chase Briscoe. He won the first Roval race for the Xfinity Series a couple of years ago, and I think he's going to cap off this round of the playoffs with another victory. Yeah, I'm going to pick A.J. Allmendinger to win uh, the defending race winner here. Allmendinger does it again. And for the Cup Series, I'm going to go with the guy, Heartbreak. At Talladega in the past couple weeks, doesn't know what he's got for his future right now with this contract situation. Why not finish it off with a win at the Roval? Matty D, let's go. I'm going to pick Chase Elliott, the road course master. Uh, Chase is 44 points up on the cut line, so he's not going to be forcing his way up front, but I think he will find himself in victory lane at the end of the day. Ben, what is your pick for IndyCar on the streets of St. Petersburg? I'm going to go with Pat O'Ward. Had a really good run uh, with, or a good battle with Colton Herta uh, at the NDGP. So I think he'll cap off the season with a win. Yeah, two to that point. You know, I think Pat O'Ward is a good pick. He's fifth in points, um, and that's a good pick. I'm going to pick Scott Dixon, the perennial champion this year for me. Uh, I think Scott Dixon caps off his championship run with a win at St. Petersburg. And for the F1 race, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton, defending champion. Hard not to go with anybody from Mercedes. I haven't quite seen the speed from Red Bull uh, that I am able to pick at Max for staff and kind of disappointed last race. So, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, the defending race winner is Max Verstappen here at the F1 race in Germany. Uh, I'm not going to go with Verstappen. I agree with Ben. Red Bull has not shown speed. Uh, Valtteri Bottas wins for Mercedes. Mercedes has been good. So far, last two races, they have won Hamilton and then Botas last week. I think he does it again. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Burn It Down Racing Podcast. Next week, we'll recap the Roval, see who's in, see who's out uh, as we head into the round of eight. And you can follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Nev underscore Notlaw. You can follow me on Instagram, Bryson Foster 259 Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.